Hello, and welcome to episode 79 of the Dayson Digest podcast. My name is Melissa Johnson, and I'm a professor of medicine at Duke University Medical Center and a liaison clinical pharmacist with Dayson. And I am Jeanette Bouchard, a liaison clinical pharmacist with Dayson. Today's episode is entitled, It's All in the Dose, High-Dose Oral Beta-Lactams for Bacteremic UTIs Due to Enterobacterales. We will be discussing an article that was published in the Antimicrobial Stewardship and Healthcare Epidemiology Journal, otherwise known as ASHI, in 2023. This paper is entitled, Outcomes of High-Dose Oral Beta-Lactam Definitive Therapy compared to fluoroquinolone or trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole oral therapy for bacteremia secondary to a urinary tract infection. This paper is by Abigail Geyer and colleagues at three community teaching hospitals in Michigan. As a reminder, the link to this article will be posted in the show notes for your reference. UTIs are one of the most common infections seen in our community hospitals. Sometimes these are complicated, and we might find that the same bacteria are present both in the urine and in the blood. This is what we're going to refer to as bacteremic UTI today. These may be more serious than our uncomplicated UTIs. For the purposes of this discussion, we are going to focus on gram-negative bacteremic UTIs due to Enterobacterales, which most commonly will be due to organisms such as E. coli and Klebsiella. Many people often think that because the gram-negative bacteria is in the blood, you must use IV antibiotics to treat the infection. And if you are considering oral agents, that fluoroquinolones or trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole would be preferred due to their high bioavailability and urinary concentrations. In fact, I think the IDSA guidelines even state this. For example, that fluoroquinolones would be preferred for pyelonephritis. Given the high rates of resistance that we are seeing in Enterobacterales across the United States to fluoroquinolones and trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole, there is increased interest in using beta-lactams for these infections, including oral beta-lactams. There have been concerns, however, about potentially low concentrations of beta-lactams after oral dosing that might not be sufficient to treat these more serious infections, such as bacteremic urinary tract infections. In a recent consensus statement from 2021 by infectious diseases specialist, specifically one that everyone here may know, which is Angelina Davis, it dives into the PKPD of these oral beta-lactams and recommends doses for uncomplicated Enterobacterales bacteremia from a variety of different infectious sources. Table two in the statement provides the bioavailability, target PKPD for gram-negatives, suggested dosing, and the CLSI breakpoint for each of the agents that it walks through. This consensus statement and recent literature to support oral beta-lactam use in uncomplicated Enterobacterales infections is important as we all have become familiar with the points that Melissa just made. I can't tell you how many times I have worked with a patient with a cardiac history who's older and on something like spironolactone and the sulfamethoxyl trimethoprim is a drug interaction. So these um, consensus statements, as well as recent data that we will review here, are going to become important when it comes to our patient safety. In this study, the investigators sought to evaluate the outcomes of utilizing high-dose beta-lactams, which was either cephalexin or amoxicillin, orally one gram three times a day for either drug, as definitive oral therapy for Enterobacterales bacteremia from a urinary source compared to the optimally dosed fluoroquinolone or trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. 
This was a multi-center retrospective cohort study of patients with Enterobacterialis bacteremia due to a urinary source treated at three hospitals in Michigan within a large health system. The data were collected for patients who were treated between February 1st of 2020 and October 1st of 2022. Patients were included in the beta-lactam or standard therapy cohort based on the definitive oral agent utilized after IV therapy. They included adults 18 years of age or older with matching urine and blood cultures with either E. coli, Klebsiella pneumoniae, or Oxytoca, or Proteus mirabilis, who received an empiric antibiotic regimen active against the isolated pathogen, and then that were in transition to appropriately dosed oral therapy. They excluded patients who received less than 72 hours of oral therapy, those that were pregnant, those that had a history of renal transplant or were treated for renal abscesses or lobar nephronia, or those who expired during hospital admission or were discharged with hospice care. Jeanette, could you tell us a little bit more about the dosing regimens used in the study? Yeah, so the dosing recommendations used in the study are available in supplementary table two. And this just goes through the table that the authors used when it came to the appropriate antibiotic regimen. As I stated before, amoxicillin, one gram TID or three times a day, and cephalexin, one gram TID or three times a day were the preferred doses. And then they were further renally adjusted going down to twice a day or BID at less than 30 milliliters per minute creatinine clearance. And then when you look at their ciprofloxacin and their levofloxacin doses, they varied from 500 to 750 milligrams twice a day for ciprofloxacin and 500 to 750 milligrams daily for levofloxacin. So pretty uh, normal doses there for our fluoroquinolones. And then for the sulfamethoxazole trimethoprim, the dose was actually two double strength tablets twice a day or BID. So two DSBID as your greater than 50 milliliter per minute per minute creatinine clearance. So a little bit higher than I think a lot of people may use in their regular practice. However, if you're a stewardship pharmacist, you may see this more frequently, but these were the doses that they were using. Great. So the primary outcome for the study compared the composite of mortality or recurrent bacteremia within 30 days of completing high-dose oral beta-lactam versus standard oral therapy. For the study, recurrent bacteremia was defined as a positive blood culture with the same genus and species as the initial blood culture from a urinary source. Secondary outcomes compared between groups included the incidence of recurrent UTI treatment, readmission to the emergency department or hospital, and C. diff infection within 30 days of oral therapy completion. Treatment of recurrent UTI was defined as a positive urine culture that received antibiotic treatment in either the inpatient or outpatient setting. Recurrent UTI was further classified as symptomatic versus asymptomatic. And again, they were largely looking at these within 30 days of completing the treatment. So what did they find? Firstly, they screened over 1,400 patients. In fact, 1,445 patients were screened for inclusion and only 194 met their eligibility. They had 75 in the oral beta-lactam arm and 119 in the fluoroquinolone or trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole arm. Of these, the majority received cephalexin, and in the standard therapy arm, the majority of these had received ciprofloxacin. 
When they looked at the baseline characteristics between groups, they found that patients who received standard oral treatment were more likely to have been admitted to the ICU, have a Foley catheter inserted during the hospital stay, have an infectious diseases consult, and have repeat blood cultures ordered compared to the beta-lactam group. All other characteristics were similar between the two groups. E. coli was the most most common pathogen isolated in 77.3% of patients in the study. Interestingly, susceptibilities of the pathogens to first-generation cephalosporins and fluoroquinolones were fairly high. They were over 90% in both groups. In total, they had a median of four days of IV antibiotics for both groups prior to the oral switch. There was no difference in the duration of IV antibiotic therapy prior to the oral switch between the beta-lactam group and the standard therapy group both about four days. There was a median of seven days of oral therapy, seven days in beta-lactam, and seven days in the standard therapy group. So in the overall duration of therapy, again, it was about 11 days for both groups and did not differ between groups. The hospital length of stay was also similar between groups, a median of five days. In terms of other outcomes, especially their primary outcome, they found no difference in mortality or recurrent bacteremia within 30 days between the groups. The beta-lactam groups had 1.3% for the primary outcome versus the standard therapy 1.7%, and this was not statistically significantly different. Notably, the mortality was very low, and in the cephalexin arm, they had one patient that had recurrent E. coli bacteremia within 30 days, and no patients died in the beta-lactam arm within 30 days of treatment. In the standard group, they had two patients that died who had received ciprofloxacin, and none of the patients had recurrent bacteremia. In terms of other outcomes, they saw no differences in follow-up visits with a primary care provider, re-evaluation visits to the emergency department, or re-hospitalization. Recurrent UTIs were treated in a similar proportion of patients in each group. There were recurrent UTIs treated in 21% of patients on beta-lactams and about 12% in the standard therapy group. Interestingly, less than 7% of patients in e either group had symptoms that were documented at follow-up. So these recurrent UTIs might have been diagnosed on the basis of bacteria rather than symptoms. There were no documented cases of C. difficile infection in either group within 30 days after treatment. The investigators also examined predictors of the use of oral therapy. In their final model, ID consultation was the only independent predictor of the use of standard oral antibiotic therapy over oral beta-lactam therapy. This was statistically significant, and the other variables that they looked at were not independent predictors of whether or not they used the old-time fluoroquinolones and trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole over oral beta-lactam, suggesting that perhaps the ID providers were more confident and comfortable with these older agents. So Jeanette, what do you think about the study? I think their overall message of definitive oral therapy for bacteremia from a urinary source, especially when appropriately dosed, is definitely something that we can look forward to moving towards as a practice change in the future if you aren't already doing it. One of the big reasons why I really like this take-home message of it's appropriate for this very specific patient population is because it gets patients off of IV therapy, which can have a number of different complications, such as line infections and C. diff in the future, although we didn't see it in this paper. And so 
I think this adds to a growing aspect of literature that step down oral therapy for complicated urinary tract infections or those urinary tract infections with bacteremia um, is appropriate. I also like that their durations were actually on a little bit of the lower end. A lot of times when we see these oral step down therapies, we see durations go all the way out to the 14 days still. And so we toe that line of the shorter is better versus oral step down. And so this paper actually had a median duration of 11 days, which when you look at um, other studies that have the oral step down, their median durations are in the 14 days. So I really like the way this is showing that if you dose your drugs appropriately and they are susceptible and it is the right patient population, you can have those short durations with the oral step downs um, that have less side effects. So I like a lot of the take home points that this paper does bring. Now with all the positives, it does have limitations, one of which being the size of the study. So as Melissa touched on, they screened about 1400 patients and only ended up with 194. And so they also had a lower incidence of their primary outcome. So their primary outcome, they saw about one to 2%, depending on which arm you were looking at, which is really low uh, incidence. And so that's going to be a limitation here for our outcomes. Another limitation was they only looked at amoxicillin and cephalexin, which for some institutions that may not get cefazolin susceptibilities in their bloodstream infections, this is something that may not necessarily be applicable to your institution as you're not able to reliably use cephalexin for these patients. A lot of Dason hospitals, I do believe, use amoxicillin, and most of my hospitals have that on their formulary. And so from that aspect, we're able to apply that to our hospitals, but it is a limitation for those who do not get cefazolin on their susceptibility presentation. The other limitation that I did want to point out was the short time frame to see outcome differences. So they use 30 days as their marker for most of their outcomes. And specifically, I think when it comes to C. diff, I like to see a little bit longer of a time frame than 30 days. So going out to 90 days would have been probably better for me, although given their low numbers, they might not have seen any C. diff cases even out to 90 days. But that 30 days can sometimes be a little bit short for C. diff. I don't know if you have anything else yeah, to add. Thought about this C. diff. I thought, well, it's good they didn't see any, but maybe they didn't follow people long enough to really assess that. We know that the exposure to antibiotics has longer term consequences than the short term outcomes they were looking at here. So maybe not necessarily the most sensitive way to look at that, but good to know nonetheless that they didn't have any and that maybe we'd see that if we followed people out a little bit longer. I do think this opens the door for doing more papers like this and really pinning down specific doses to look at when it comes to different disease states. They mentioned in their discussion section that a lot of studies that have come before them have shown either the low bioavailable beta-lactams are not as good as our fluoroquinolones and sulfamethoxazole trimethoprim, or they're just as good. And a lot of that swinging pendulum of data has to do with the fact that these these papers are not all consistent across the board. They're using a variety of different dosing strategies, a variety of different types of infections. And so really narrowing it down like this paper did, I think is how we can progress forward and continue to be confident in our decisions with these drugs. That's right. And I think it's important for our hospitals to note they weren't looking at ceftonir. So They were not. They didn't look at a single third-generation cephalosporin, which I believe 
likely has something to do with that consensus statement. The consensus statement didn't actually have any direct recommendations for dosing um, when it came to cefpodoxime or ceftonir. And so keeping it safe and consistent with that statement by sticking to amoxicillin and cephalexin. I think that's a great resource for our hospitals and something that we can really look at to drive the more aggressive approach to some of these switch and conversions um, and get people out of the hospital faster whenever possible. Yes. I did want to ask you, Melissa, in your practice experience, how have you approached convincing providers to use one gram TID of amoxicillin or cephalexin? I always have a little bit of trouble when I hit that third dose in the day, convincing providers to use that. That's true. I, I feel like a lot of them would say to me, could I use Augmentin instead? <laughs> yeah, that's always the um, kickback I get. <laughs> yeah, they think that's possible. I, I think, again, that shared patient decision-making, talking about, is this realistic for you? Are we able to do this? And monitoring and following that patient up for side effects will be very important. With Augmentin, it usually seems, I think, that the clavulanic acid higher doses lead to more of the diarrhea than necessarily the amoxicillin. So I would probably, my bias would be to go with that, with the amoxicillin, and try to encourage that. Yeah, I think that's what I do too, is I, the clavulanic acid is one of the big kickers for GI upset. So I try to swing them that way. The consensus statement also has a really great table because it talks about how amoxicillin even dosed three times a day like that hits reliable levels for an MIC of uh, less than or equal to two um, when the breakpoints are more closer to eight. And so really showing them the data uh, also might help and showing that the higher dosing is more appropriate for these infections that involve the bloodstream. Yeah, definitely. And I, th I think that's the key here, right? We're trying to hit those PKPD targets and ensure that the infection is cleared and doesn't recur. And so that is the most convincing point. Yeah, that table is really helpful because otherwise I was going through that FDA documents that kind of got <laughs> amoxicillin approved way back in the day and showing the PKPD out of it or pulling some PKPD paper. So I like that it was all condensed in and it helps really with these conversations that we have with our providers. Well, that's great. Okay, so together, these data suggest that we could really consider these oral options with beta-lactams for even bacteremic UTIs, and that we shouldn't be chained to our old habits of insisting that we use IV therapy for the duration for these bacteremic patients or for using fluoroquinolones or only trimethoprim sulfamethoxyl for these types of infections. If you would like to consider these strategies more at your facility, we encourage you to reach out to your DASON liaison and discuss this further. We would be happy to assist with this. So on behalf of all the DASON staff, I'd like to thank you for listening today. Just as a reminder, the paper mentioned will be posted on our website for the podcast. We hope you will check it out and come back in two weeks for our next DASON Digest. 